Because Jesus talks about money more than anything else in his entire ministry. 15% of all of the words in the Greek that Jesus speaks are about money and about giving. And so we're going to talk about it. You may not want to talk about it, but Jesus talked about it. And to be quite honest, I don't want to talk about it because it is uncomfortable to talk about, but I am compelled as a preacher of God's word to talk about it because most of what Jesus says, listen to me, is a warning about money. And so I want to talk to you about it so that you can get a hold of what Jesus says, that there's an unseen enemy in our life, and and you may not see it as an enemy, but it actually is in many ways. Richard Halverson, the former chaplain of the U.S. Senate, said this, Jesus Christ said more about money than any other single thing because when it comes to man's real nature, money is of first importance. Money is an exact index to a man's character. All through Scripture, there's an intimate correlation between the development of a man's character and how he handles money. Jesus talks about money because he's interested in one thing. He's not interested in a big offering, and he's not interested in these things that you have to do and following all the rules. If you look at the Sermon on the Mount and all the different things there, Jesus is not interested in you just doing this and doing that and and, and keeping the ledger straight. Listen to me. Jesus is after one thing from you, and that's your heart. God wants your heart. He says that's why it's not about following rules. Because he says, what if, you, what if you do this in your heart? What if you lust in your heart? What if you hate in your heart? What if you're greedy in your heart? He says, I want your heart more than anything else. And where your treasure is, there's where your heart is. And so Jesus talks about money, and specifically a lot about money in the Sermon on the Mount. And we wouldn't even have time to go through all he says in just Matthew 5 through 7. So I'm just going to take a short passage in Matthew chapter 6 and look at a few verses tonight. And I'm just going to ask you to test yourself. I'm not here to test you. I'm not here to ask what you do with money. This is just the Word of God, and let it speak to you tonight. In Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, get your sermon notes out as well. We're going to look at verses 19 through 24. That's where we're going to start tonight anyway. And we're going to talk about some tests that we can have in our life. It says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them. And where thieves break in and steal, store up for your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Jesus says that you are an investor. Whether consciously or unconsciously, you are investing. And so the question is, are you going to invest in the right bank? Do you ever see those guys... uh, Usually they're younger, they got the wallet with the big chain that, that connects to their belt loop, and it's usually the younger guys that have that, and you're like, why in the world do you have that? I mean, you probably don't have any money in there anyway, but it's always the young people that have that. God is saying that your wallet is actually attached to your heart. That chain goes right up to your heart, because your heart follows your treasure. And so God says, I want to know where your treasure is. And so this is what we call the durability test. Will it last? What you invest in, will it last forever? Or is it just something of this earth where moth or rust or thieves can steal? I mean, where is your treasure? 
We all desire security, so we try to hold on to it, but it, it seems like it can be taken so easily from us. And God says, I want you to invest in something more. A lot of times when we give in the offering plate, as we just did, we see our money, our check, maybe the credit card number, whatever. We see that in there, and we watch the plate go down, and we think, there it goes. It's gone forever. The reality is, is that's when it becomes alive. See, giving is living. Once you give it, it becomes alive in the hands of God. It becomes invested into your eternity. Giving is living. It's not bye-bye, see you later. It becomes alive when you give it away. 1 Peter 1.4 says, Into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. The durability test. Ask yourself, how long will my things last? Are they temporary or will they last forever in heaven? The durability test. The, the next test comes in the next verses there. Starting in chapter 6, verse 22, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep the darkness is. I want to explain what Jesus is saying here. Our eyes are how we see the world, and sometimes we need to wear glasses so we can see better. And uh, so, you know, we have these glasses so we can see. The other day I uh, was driving, the sun was shining, so I put my sunglasses on, and I forgot I had them on, and I went into a, a shopping center, and I was shopping, and I shopped the entire time with my sunglasses on. I, I don't know what people thought about me. I thought when I got back in the car and I looked in the mirror, I'm like, oh my goodness, I just shopped with my Ray-Bans on, and everybody probably thinks I'm a dork. You know, uh, who's this guy who thinks he's a rock star at Walmart? And uh, here he is wearing his glasses. But the, this is the heart test. So what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, if, if you live God's way, if you put God first, then there is light in your eye. That's how you can see it's light. And so that's a good thing, right? If the, if the light you see is good, then that's good. But he says, but if what you see is actually darkness, if you think that you follow Christ, if you say that you follow Christ, if you say that you know his teachings, and yet you still live between two kingdoms, you, you invest here on earth, you invest, it's like I, I'm serving two masters, I'm serving God, I'm serving money. If you think that you have light, but you're just still living like everybody else does, he says you're living in spiritual blindness. How dark is that darkness? You think you can see, but you really can't. He says the heart is, do you love me more than you love money? The heart test. Am I investing my time and money? Where am I investing it? What is exciting me most? Is it heaven or is it earth? Which place makes my heart beat faster? Where do I focus my goals? Am I committed to materialism or spirituality? Do I operate according to God's priorities or according to my own? That's the heart test. But then Jesus comes to this last verse in this teaching, and this is the hardest test. It's the master test, and we look at it in verse 24. He says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The master test. 
Who do you serve? And you say, well, I, I love God, but Jesus says, you know what? I'm, uh, do you serve God or do you serve mammon? The, the big M, the, the money. Do you serve this or do you serve God? There's this view that Jesus has that, look, this is going to rival your dependence on me. This is going to rival everything that, that, that you think that you worship. It will become supreme in your life. It will become a deity in your life if you don't watch it because it's going to promise you security and freedom and power and love and all the things we've been singing about that comes from God. No, I'll give it to you, money says. Say, get more of me, have more happiness. Get more of me, you'll be more important. More of me, you'll have more security. More of this equals, well, that's what I really want, isn't it? See, to be a committed disciple isn't about feeling the the emotions of worship. It isn't about feeling, oh, God loves me, so I love him right back. No, it's a a matter of decision. It's a matter of the will and the heart, and, and you cannot give your allegiance in two places at once. This is the tension that Jesus talks about here. Sooner or later, one is going to win out in your life. It's either going to be God or it's going to be money. There's only one master. And if you're serving the master money, you will not be able to serve God. Jesus does not say, well, I think it's a good idea that you serve me and not money. Or it's really, you know, it's really unhealthy or unwise. And he says, you cannot serve me and money. How we handle our money is very serious. And how we obey God is very serious. And so we have to choose. His words are unsettling as you read them here. It says, if you love money, you will end up hating God. If you're devoted to the pursuit of possessions and making of money, you will find yourself despising the things of God. I know you say, I I love God. I would never hate him. I would never despise him. I'm here at church because I love Jesus and I want more of him. But let me just put it right on the table then. You will never be able to fully love Jesus if you love money as well. It just won't work. It's the master test. And Jesus says, who will be your master And you can say, well, Jesus is my master. But the reality is, is that money, listen to me, money demands that you worship it. Money demands that you worship it. You say, no, I would never worship money. I would only worship God. I would never worship money. Money demands that we worship it. You want to know why? You might have Monday off. But Tuesday morning, or maybe before that, if you go to work tomorrow or the next day, you're going to get up at a time you don't want to get up. You're going to get ready and you're going to go to work and you're going to spend more time in that job than anywhere else your whole week. And you're going to do that for the rest of your life. I know that sounds depressing right now. I apologize. But do you see that money says, worship me. Give me your life. You need me. And we do need money. That's the hard part. Our whole life revolves around money. And that's why giving is so important. Because you have to work for it. I mean, you have to pay for your house or your apartment or your car or for food or for your kids. I mean, you got to pay, so you have to work. But that's why giving is so important because you're saying, you know what, money? I don't live for you. I live 
for Jesus. I live for his kingdom, and that's why giving is so important. In this world, everybody thinks money will take care of everything. You listen to anybody talk, whether it be in business or politics, they say, oh, no, more money, that's what we need. And then you say, well, is it money what got us into this problem? Well, yes, but we just need more of it. Really? I keep bowing to my knee to the thing that keeps collapsing and falling apart. Yeah, we just need to keep doing that because you know what? It does help and it does do some good. But we're caught in this trap and God wants to free us from that. He doesn't want you to live in that trap. The master test is Jesus my master or is something or someone else? Will I serve money on earth? And allow it to be my God, or will I serve God in heaven with my treasures here on earth, which will have the first place in my life? The master test. I'm going to tell you tonight, money is merciless. It causes so much fear in our lives. If we don't have it, we get scared. And we live in a place where there's the American dream, and if you just work hard enough, and so if you don't have it, it's really your fault. That's what it says, basically. So if you don't have enough, you're scared. But if you do have a lot of this, you're scared that it's going to be taken away. You're scared that somebody might get it, and so you have to hide it, or you have to buy the big security system, or you gotta, you got to do something because somebody might take it from you. All that this does is cause fear. It's merciless. And yet God, in his word, the songs we sang tonight, is full of mercy. Paying every debt we have, You know what's amazing in the Bible is how much economic language is surrounding our salvation. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. But God paid it all. It's not a two-sided transaction where we bring a little bit to the table. No, he says, I got it. I'll take care of it. God is merciful. It says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. I love that. You know, this idea that there's wages in this life, there's money, there's this wages, and the wages of sin is death. But God says, it's not about wages with me, it's all about a gift. I give that gift. The gift of God is eternal life. God says, I'll take care of everything. And, and so, here comes the, what we need to talk about when it comes to money in our life. Is we need to be like God. We need to be like Him. His gifts are amazing. He is so generous in every way. And so we give because we have a generous God. We give because he's been good to us. We give to be like God. We give to go to the next level in God and to show him that he is number one, not money. God expects his people to give, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. He always talks about giving and the idea is that we would be generous just like him. And when we give, our life changes. Got a few things that happen in our life that I'll put on the board. You can write them down if you want. But when we get into radical giving, and that's just giving to to give, saying, I don't want, you know, I'm going to have to work for money. I'm going to have to live for money. But 
I do not want to serve money or worship money. I'm going to give. What happens? Well, radical giving helps defeat materialism in our life. The things that we crave, that we desire, oh, I have to have this. All of a sudden, we don't have to have as much. We want God. We want his kingdom. We want his way. It helps us walk in faith. I mean, you can't give without walking in faith. Because you're not going to have what you need sometimes. And so you have to walk in faith that God will bless you abundantly. It helps us walk in joy. God loves a joyful giver. And you know what happens when we give? There is joy in our heart. We connect with God. You know, it's like when we give, you know what? It, it, it becomes alive. It, it helps. You know, we look at missionaries. We're going to have Katie McClure here tomorrow. Katie McClure Gonzalez. She got married in Venezuela, and, and she's ministering, and, and our money goes to help her. So there's joy from, from giving. Giving helps us walk in abundance. We realize that God has given us abundant life, that we do have enough, not just for ourselves, but for others. So God helps us to walk in abundance. Next is that radical giving helps us think about eternity. It's not just about this week, this paycheck, getting through this month, but it's about all of eternity. Like I said, Jesus talks about giving a lot, and so let me give you a verse that I think is really important when it comes to our giving Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will it be poured into your lap? For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. God says that, that I bless those that give. And as you give, I will bless you even more. These are words in red in your Bible. This isn't a pastor talking to you. I'm not making you any guarantees. This is what Jesus says. That God blesses those who give. Many of you know C.S. Lewis from the Chronicles of Narnia or maybe Mere Christianity and you know a lot about him. But, you know, I don't know if you knew this. He, he sold millions of books. He, he did amazing things. Did you know that he died in poverty? That, that they couldn't even keep his house when he passed away? Not that everybody in his life wasn't taken care of because they were. He left money for people. But... Pretty much everything was gone. You want to know why? Because he gave everything away. Some reports is that he gave 90, up to 95% of his, his earnings away. Anything that came in from Christian books, he just gave that away immediately. He just put it in a fund. And, and he, it was a blind fund, so he didn't even know where the money was going. It was just all given away. And this is what C.S. Lewis says about giving. He says, I don't believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditures on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we're probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they're too small. There ought to be things we would like to do but cannot do because our charitable expenditures excludes them. He's saying you should give till it hurts. That we're called to give. And everybody's called to give in different ways because we all make a different amount of money. We all live a different life. So we are called to give, though, in a way that affects our life and changes us because when we do that, it changes our heart. The video we watched before the message I, I thought was great. But let me tell you a true story. 
when I take the boys out and we were traveling somewhere, we'll stop at a steak place. That's kind of a, a guy's thing to do with Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And so we'll go out and if it's a special occasion, we're just driving somewhere, what I'll do is I'll say, you can order whatever you want. Really, Dad? Anything? Yeah. So I can get a drink, I can get the biggest steak, I can get this and that. And yeah, whatever you want. It's all yours tonight. And so we just go out and we'll, we'll have this feast wherever we go. And, and so we'll, we'll get that and we'll start eating. And I always ask at some point in the meal, now they're going to know the trick because uh, I'm telling them. But I always ask at some point during the meal if I can have a bite of what they've ordered. To be honest with you, it's, I don't really want a bite of what they've ordered. I've ordered my own food. I'm satisfied. I like what I like, and that's what I ordered. And, and I just, You know why I ask them for a bite? I don't need it. I just want to see their heart. I just really want to see their heart. And if they say, sure, Dad, yeah, absolutely. What, yeah, you want, a, you want a big piece or what? You want a little piece? That, I'm like, yeah, okay. It's like, oh, Dad, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't really want to. I, I, I really like mashed potatoes. I don't want to share my mashed potatoes. Or I like my steak. I don't want to share my steak, you know. And, and so I just see and I just know their heart. through. It's like, do I need it? No, I don't need it. But I just want to see their heart. Because their heart towards me is also their heart toward other people, isn't it? See, God looks at your heart. That's why giving is so important. God doesn't need your money. He really doesn't. He wants to see your heart. And when you give, what he does is he takes what you give and he makes it alive. And it changes lives. You know, I, I think about this fall and all the things that are coming. I know it's still kind of summer because it's Labor Day weekend. But I'm telling you, things are going to kick off this month like never before. For our children, for our youth, for our adults, for our missionaries around the world, for new things. We're leaving for Russia next week to work with orphans. I mean, this is taking off in a big way. And we couldn't do it without the giving that you guys do week in and week out. I mean, that's how we're able to do what we do. And, and so what God does is he takes what you give and he turns it into transformed lives. It's not a matter if I look at you and see what you give and your heart and things. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters what he thinks. And all he wants is your heart. And I think the greatest scheme of the enemy today, you know, everybody looks like, oh, well, what about this and what about that? And this is so bad and that's so bad in the world. You know what I think the, the biggest thing the enemy's using right now in all of our lives? This. We're scared. We're so scared about our jobs, so scared about our homes, so scared. Don't be scared. God doesn't want you scared. God wants to give you freedom. God wants to give you love. He wants, you to, to, he wants your heart. He just wants you. That's all he wants. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me tonight as, as we kind of conclude this time together? And I'm just going to talk to you here for a moment. And as I do, just, just quietly in your own heart, just kind of do that test. Do the durability test. Do the, the heart test. Do the master test on your own. Just ask yourself, am, am, am I passing these tests the way God wants me to? Because God wants your heart. God wants your heart. 
I want you just to think about it. I just want you to... I want you to let God know tonight that even though you will work 60, 70, 80 years of your life and you will give yourself for money, that you will not worship money. You will worship Him. Tell Him tonight that that He is all that you want. And then show him. Holy Spirit, in the quietness of a moment, you can do so much more than any words of a, of a man. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that as we pray right now, you would just draw our hearts closer to you. And God, let everyone here know just just how much you want their heart. Let everyone here know about your love, about your mercy. Let everyone here know that you've paid it all. God, I pray for those that are gripped by fear gripped by worry, maybe gripped by embarrassment of how much or how little they have. God, I pray they would be set free as you become the master of their life. And may we just stop caring what other people think about what we have and what we don't have. And God, may we just care about you. Lord, I pray that we would be radical givers in every way. And God, we know that as we give, we become more like you, our generous Father. So Lord, help us to give to the, to the, to the whole world. Help us to give to your church. Help us to give to your kingdom. Help us to... Help us, Lord, to be givers. That's what we pray today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I hope that God's Word has spoken to you and, and uh, um, now you actually have an opportunity to, to, to live out the message. And, and uh, let me just explain, in case, um, in case you're new, is that every uh, first weekend of a month, I know it's August 30th, but... I guess tomorrow is the first. We just, we just make this the first weekend of, of a new month. Uh, we give to those in need. We give to the poor. And, um, and so this offering helps to go. We take it once a month after Communion Sunday or Communion Saturday, and we just give to those in need. Now, you may be in need, so do not feel any obligation to give. Uh, this is what we call an above and beyond offering to the Lord. This is not just your regular giving that you've committed to in your heart. This is above and beyond. So, um, we'd, we'd love for you to give in this. Just to let you know as well, if, if, um, if, if you want to give to the church at any time, you can do that on the web. Um, you can do that in the church office. Um, and um, again, just however God leads you. If there's a ministry or a missionary or something that you'd like to give to, you can do that as well. Um, but this offering right now is for the poor. It's for those in need. So um, if you'd like to give toward that, you can do that. You can ask the
the men to come forward. Let's pray. God, we give now uh, with joyful hearts to you. God, this is a special offering above and beyond for those in need. Lord, they, they may be in need in our church. They may be in need in our community. They may just walk in off the street. God, um, maybe somebody overseas, but there will be a need that comes in this month, and this is the money we'll use to meet that need. And so, God, we pray that you provide all that we need. And, uh, God, I just thank you for such generous people in a church um, as we give to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, another way you can give this month is uh, for our trip to Russia. And not just our trip to Russia, but Pastor Merrill is going to be heading back to India a little bit later this year. And so later in the month, we have a missionary offering, and you can give towards that if maybe your heart is to give overseas. And uh, just so you know, a lot of costs of traveling for missions trips have gone way up recently. And so if you'd like to, to give toward that, um, we've got a big team going to Russia. Pastor Merrill is going to be going to, um, uh, to India. And uh, so we want to give towards that. Uh, the, the pantry giveaway is coming up. Maybe you can't give financially, but you can give time to help uh, families in our community. You can do that. Um, so there's a lot of ways that you can give, that you can be involved with that. And so I just encourage you uh, to do that. All right. Got the offering taken? Awesome. Um, there's things to sign up for in the lobby. I'd love to meet you. I'll pray with you as well while you're here. But would you stand for the blessing of the Lord tonight? Hopefully you received our, our new uh, devotional in the mail. If you didn't, there's copies in the, in the lobby. Go ahead and take the new devotional so you can have the Word of God with you all week long. Um, maybe you just need to start a relationship with Jesus. You, you've never had one. just encourage you to take that step and to start that new relationship with Jesus. Give your heart to him, your life to him. Uh, there's no better person to, to love and serve with your life. And, and there's a packet up here with a Bible, some prayers, some different things. Keep coming back, learning about Jesus. We'll keep uh, going in our discipleship series for a few more weeks here. Um, but uh, I'm glad that you're here tonight, and I pray that God spoke to your life. Let's receive the blessing of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he smile on you, be gracious to you, show you his favor, and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that blessing that rests upon your children, upon each one of us, God. God, you are so good to us. May we go and give that blessing now to this world. God, just make us givers in every way. Lord, keep us safe, keep us strong until we can gather together again as the church and worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need special prayer, I'll be down front. Love to meet you.